Man, it feels good. There we are. I had to live up to that uh, to that intro <laughs> there, right? I mean, I'll uh, tell you what. That's good stuff. Yes. Yeah, you oh, like that? You, you happen to know a guy that makes good stuff like that happen, right? That is uh, good stuff. It gets you revved up. you got to get into the moment. You know, I do that. By the way, salespeople, not just to jump right in, but this is... No, let's jump in. Stuff. But, yeah, you know, uh, get, getting your head right is step one to life. I mean, you got to do that. So if you're out there in sales, you're going to see somebody. So I have this little mantra that I do, and I do it in my head many times a day. Uh, but I did it right before this. Not that I needed it after that amazing Chris Stone intro, but uh, it goes like this. All right, check this out. I lead, not follow. I believe, not doubt. I create, not destroy. I make the news. I don't watch the news. I'm a leader. I'm a force for good, force for God. Set the standard. I defy the odds. I stand up. I take charge. I win. And then I walk in like a flipping animal. You can't say no to that type of, of action. So you do that in your head and you enough times and you actually start believing it. Yeah, oh, take my money. I was it's looking for my wallet. I'm like, sitting down. I don't have it in my pocket. Uh, I thought I did, but I'm like, take my money. I could reach back there in the safe and grab some cash and throw it at you right now. I was rummaging around prior to this for my uh, ultimate sales letter. I had like an original, a good one. I don't know where it is. It's somewhere. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dan Kennedy. Yeah. If you've, uh, if you've been following along on my social media channels, you know, uh, the shelf behind me is a little barren right now. Uh, normally the cigar stuff is higher up uh -huh. because I had a flood and, and, you know, oh. that struggle really made you persevere these last few weeks because we lost our first floor bathroom, which really wouldn't mean nothing, but I had my knee replaced eight weeks ago. And, uh, Patrick Tenney, what's up from Bancroft, the sales capital of Canada. I was just in Canada. Uh, but, uh, man, that struggle made you persevere. And I, my, the shelf where the cigar stuff is, is, is the Dan Kennedy shelf. Oh, the DKS. Shelf. That's right. Okay. The DK, yeah. Does the DJ have his own DKS shelf in area? No, I think you do. I, I, I've in. got, you know, or, the wall of sales, everything you in matter and then I used to keep it, it about, I used to keep it in order, but I kind of like just rummaging through and finding some, find, you know, lately I'm back on this, this, I mean, you, I'm sure you've read this, you know, a million yeah. times. I've, I've gotten several copies of, but my gosh, people don't realize how uh, psychological, you know, sales are and, yep. and, or sales is, but, you know, a good marketing message is basically a sales pitch, you know, on paper, the, the, the media is, as Dan Kennedy talks about message marketplace and media, yep. uh, the delivery system could be this, you know, voice. It could be written, uh, you know, it could be over the phone or anything. So um, understanding people's triggers is like step one in any kind of sales thing. Yeah. It, it's two sides of it. There's, there's triggers that attract people to you. And then there's triggers that repel people from you. Uh, you know, so here, here's a, I, I will share this and people tend to like it. There's, there's three words you can say that will repel, uh, your prospects or customers from you. And uh, those three words you say all the time, they're I, we, and us. And so a, someone who's trying to influence or sell something needs to kind of avoid those words as much as possible. 
and use the other three words that attract, which is you, yours, and I'm here in the South. And so we say y'all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the more you say that, the more they're interested. And, and so it, it, you have to, you got to work that in. And yeah. that's what, you know, Dan Kennedy and, and the great marketers and the Gary Halberts and, uh, yep. you know, well, the great salespeople of the power. Oh, you know, pay a little, little homage to my grandmother who I was, Patrick, I was, uh, Patrick Teddy's tuning in. We'll get your question answered about books on the shelf there in a minute. But, uh, I was in Canada. My grandmother passed last week and it's, it's all good. We're going to talk about that, how that relates to sales yeah. and how I can say it's good for my grandmother to pass. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but I have this little picture frame. This is from my, the picture frame is from my friend, Mike Capuzzi, who is a business partner, mentor, friend, uh, was a coach of mine and now a, a peer, but he get, he gave all his clients this little picture frame. What's in it for me? Oh right? yeah refers to the, your three words, right? Yes. So I often think, I try to dumb things down. And this was directly from Mike. This is a swipe from him. It was, think like you're trying to communicate to your grandmother. Oh, that's awesome. Isn't it? God. And so I, you know, updated this photo, uh, got this photo while I was up there. You know, they had, we had a nice photo board. That's great. And uh, when, when all the, Events were over. We everybody kind of picked photos that were important to them. So I updated it with that one. So there you go, Grandma. We put you on the internet. You wouldn't even That's know what that beautiful. is. But there you go. What? So, it, how did you refer to her? Was she? Mine was Grammy. What was? What? How did you refer uh, grandma, to her? Grandma. The, the the classic Grandma. grandma. Yeah, the classic. <laughs> you know, my my <laughs> my family, um, uh, German and uh, uh, Dutch. And uh, actually, my grandmother wore a hair covering. She was brought up in the Mennonite faith. And she oh, wow. wore a hair covering until she was about 18 or 19. And uh, so, yeah, so we're kind of like that influence of things. So the, the classic yeah. stuff is there. Well, so she was grandma. <laughs> I have a, I had a, my other one was a meme. And so she was, uh, mm. she was, she also wore a hair covering because she was very Jewish. And so they would always wear something yep. on their head too. Yeah, but she was always, you know, the sweet. It's, it, the traditional grandmas are, are it, that's where, uh, that's where you really learn empathy from. Mm-hmm. You know, people who, who suffered and didn't know it and would give their last, you know, they give you the, they give you the glam chop like the good lamb chop, the one where it's just like one bite of meat and then you get, they give you that and they, they'd wait till you were finished eating before they would eat. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, and they didn't have to tell you they loved you. Yeah. They just showed you in food. Yeah. Yeah. That's my grandmother in a nutshell there for sure. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's yeah. interesting that you brought up about eating last because whenever we'd have family dinner, she'd always yeah. kind of sit off to the side in the yeah. kitchen. And eventually, you know, your eyes avert to everybody else at the table and you're talking. But over the years, I caught a couple of times. She's just sitting there smiling, loving it, you know, and, and she created that space. And I think, I think that lesson is really appropriate for, you know, salespeople. Like what, what space in this concept of creating space is big yeah. for me as of late. I'm writing a book about it and that space for leadership. I did a podcast episode titled that way. And it's like, what space are you bringing, are you creating to bring people in around you 
so they can, you know, uh, model your examples, right? And uh, I think that's yeah. something that's very important today. Does that does that resonate with you at all? That idea, that concept of creating the space to bring others in and around you. Yeah. Well, in since we're in family now, don't get me started, but we'll talk about so many of these things I learned from my dad, who was just uh, papa was just an immigrant and didn't have much education, but he. He said to me early on as an immigrant, he would say, you know, Danny, in this country, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And then uh, a couple of years later, he said, Danny, remember I said that? And I said, yeah. He said, forget about that. And he, and he was trying to give the life lesson to, of building the space, I guess. And he said, he said, Danny, in this country, you become the person that other people want to know. Right. That was yep. it. So he would say, Act like the person you'd like to become. And very quickly, you'll see that person in the mirror. And yeah. that's what attracts. You know, there's only two ways to, uh, to influence somebody to do something else. You could either persuade them through your actions, or you could force them at the end of a gun. Uh, and if you're using the forcing, you probably need to work on your persuasion tactics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's dig into that a little bit. You know, we in yeah. the pre-show we're talking about Dan Kennedy, and yeah. I see you've got Ogilvy on advertising, which is oh, a fantastic my. book. Are you kidding me? That's like, that's like nighttime reading. You just love it. Yeah, yeah, oh. that's a great one. I mean, any any of Kennedy's books are good to pick up. Um, but uh, I have, Ogilvy some, I have on some older ones too. Is great. Um, you know, of the you know, because Dan Kennedy. Uh, he he lived off to, off of his predecessors, whose names I I don't recall right now. But you know you that's a, you know that's a, one of the great things about reading. And Patrick Tinney has a bunch of books which are which are awesome too. Uh, it's, he's he's a, he's big on negotiating, which is great. But a, what's great about reading books that you like is they always reference other books. They always reference yep. other uh, you know people mentors of theirs. And then you can just keep moving down the line. And uh, the funny thing about that is you always end up at the same place. You always end up at the Bible. Yep. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And I mean, um, you know, you th this is not to turn this into a religion convert you episode. This is a great point that you brought up. Like, there's just a lot of good stories. There's a lot of goodness to be found in the Bible. Oh. And if, if you're wanting, if you want a taste of this and you're like, all right, maybe this episode hit me at the right time. You're hearing Jeff and Dan at the right time. Started Proverbs. I was just going to say that. I mean, you're living rent-free in my brain. Yep. 31, 31 Proverbs. 31 days. One, one a day each month. You got a couple extra for Feb. You have a few extra for February, depending on the year. You got one extra for all the other months and, uh, that gets you started. Great way to go. And you can, you know, yeah. you can try to dismiss the Jonah and the whale and Noah and the ark and the fire bush, all of this stuff. It set all of that aside and just take in the lesson. And yeah. then you, and then, and then you begin to, then you begin to see where you settle with it all. And that's on you. Yeah. And you know, when, 
you know, when people are looking at this, uh, you know, from a salesperson's perspective, uh, our our customers are are judging us based on our on the outcomes of the services that you give. You do big ticket sales. There's large items. There's large consulting fees. Whatever. At the end of the day, uh, they're not going to stay with you because of your salesmanship. They're looking at their outcomes. Um, yep. And so when you're, if you're looking to, to improve yourself and, and uh, Chris Stone knows this, it's one of my things. If you want to be a better salesperson, first be a better person. And so uh, I think the art of practicing sales is the art of practicing personal development. And if part of yep. that is, is going to Proverbs and, and reading those lessons along the way, I don't care if you believe or not. Uh, just after you do it for a few times or after you see that other people who are faithful, take a look at the outcomes of their lives. Take a look at the outcomes of their connections and, uh, and, and their, their, their sphere of influence and people around them uh, that support them. Take a look at that, the end result of a person who's faithful and then decide for yourself, is that the type of life you want? Is that the outcome you want? And it's the same thing that, that that's the same as a, you know, a sales pitch that I would give it to anybody else buying any services. Don't buy this because you like me, because I'm exceptionally good looking. I mean, because that's always a problem. Don't do right. that. You got to beat them back with a stick. Yeah, that's it. It goes, but at the end of these 90 days, let's take a look at outcomes where we are. And so keeping track is very important for for you as a salesperson, and then also for understanding that uh, you're being held to, you're held to the standard and to the metric that you decide as the salesperson. And mm. and then just buy into it and have them buy into it. Dang, that was good. I got to write that one that, down. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Okay. Often people watching the show see me kind of doing this. I, I The only multitasking I do during our episodes is to write down those really great moments. So later we can carve out reels from our time together and share out more great moments from our show. So yes. that's what I do in that moment. So I already got us covered, Dan. I got it. All I got right. it. Uh, All right. well, yeah, you'll get look. that reel uh, a little later here after the episode publishes and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah I think getting, you know, you touched on something there that in, in my brain flashed the word bedrock. I'm a big believer in getting to the bedrock issue foundation of an opportunity, a problem, a hurdle. Um, you know, as you were talking about books and like, you know, Dan Kennedy's mentors, a couple of them would be John Capels, Maxwell Maltz. You talk yes. about personal development. Maxwell Maltz was, I think, about as OG as it gets yeah. as far as yeah. like our time. Yeah. Um, and so, um, was that the know, cyber cybernetics? Psycho cybernetics. Cyber, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a volume one uh, issue of that book, like an original publishing of that book from, I think it was 1953, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes you want, you want to be, a, imagine their little networking group or, you know, imagine like, you know, the Carnegie's and Rockefeller's and all those, and the, well, and Ford all hanging out together and just like tossing out ideas. Yeah, as you were as you were talking, I reached back and uh, so that's the mastermind concept, right? Yes, a few people coming together for a common objective. In that example, you know, those guys were all about world domination, market domination, 
right? So those conversations would have been really cool to archive and hear today. But uh, so this book, The Law of Success by Napoleon Hill, this is, oh, this is the book yeah. that originally shared the mastermind concept. A lot of folks think it's yeah. from Think and Grow Rich because it's referenced multiple times there. Yeah. But it's actually from this book. And this is a tremendous book of essays. Uh, it's also a beautiful book. Um, yeah. I love it. We yeah. actually give this as a gift in my coaching group that I'm a part of now in the Battlefield Alliance. We give that as a gift to new members. Oh, so, really? Mm -hmm. I mean, I yeah. have to join just for that. <laughs> ah, there you go. I like it. You're Come on in. But, this is um, my, uh, my high school thinking grow uh, rich. Yep. I still yep. have that. I mean, you talk about the, like that book for a moment. Uh, we were talking about place strategy in the pre-show. And that's how we got started on Dan Kennedy because we were talking yeah. about Yellow Pages. Yeah. And I said to Dan, like, hey, one time I put a retail mattress store listing and a chiropractic listing and physical therapy listing because uh, it's out of place yeah. strategy. Or like, that's Kennedy-esque. I said, yeah, that's exactly, Dan. But um, Think and Grow Rich is a place strategy example. It really blew up. You know, Think and Grow Rich was on bookshelf. Right. But it was also on your TV. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, they ran Guthy Renker, the same people that do proactive today. Yeah. And a number of they put Tony Robbins into the stratosphere. Well, yeah, but they I they I, I remember Earl Nightingale Rich. was on. Yep. But I didn't know Napoleon Hill, though they I have seen some old YouTube stuff with him. They put Think and Grow Rich on as a product uh, and course. Oh. Yeah, well, Jim Rohn was into that. Yep. Yeah. So gotcha. play strategy. So so for you sales dogs out there listening, like, you yeah. know, don't just rely on your car. Don't just rely on your, your retail location, you know, your phone, your email box, right? You have to, uh, have to put yourself into these different places where like-minded consumers are shopping. That's why we went into the chiropractic space. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. I remember seeing those. But, you know, so you're touching on on the target marketing, which is, is important. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, three legs to your marketing strategy. There's your message and then there's your market. Uh, and you want to get as creative as you can with that market. It's, uh, you know, you're, you're marketing a, a landscaping service to a bunch of houses in an area that have rocks in the front yard. Not a good place. Not a good idea. Yeah. Yep. But it, but but it's not necessarily all that obvious, but I love the creative ideas of putting mattress stuff in, you know, think, think who, who uses this product, who could use this product, right. and then create the message that would resonate with that person yeah. and the headlights with that the headlines with that person. And yeah. I think right now uh, we're in a special time. I, and one of the things that I'm really excited about with AI um, is that it gives the average person who is just so, you know, who has seen it all already. I'm, you know, there used to be a time that people get amazed flying in airplanes or driving a car. Right. Uh, it was it was odd if you, you know, if you'd see a woman, a truck driver. Like, I mean, it was just, everything was, you'd be amazed. Now we've seen so much, nothing amazes anybody anymore. Right. Until chat GPT. <laughs> that just freaks everybody out. And it's, it's, it's really surprising to me I, 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 that this happened, but it's for the first time in my kind of adult life when I've been able to pay attention, 
I see grown men, smart and and capable and you know confident and all that stuff, scared. I mean, they're scared for the first time because they're like, mm. my gosh, I'm not worth as much as I was two weeks ago. <laughs> Let's dig into that because I, I, I'm really focusing on AI and, and more through the lens of what it's going to do to education, how the education system is, I feel, failing and not really preparing our, our students and teenagers for success as they graduate. Um, it's actually preparing them for failure and dependency. That's, yeah. That's well, what it's doing. That the education system that is yes. or AI. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. I would agree with that. I think, I think like I've been, I have a good close relationship with our, our, our school district superintendent and we work well together. I have regular meetings and cause it's, it's something I believe in. I believe that my community has got to produce good people for my businesses and my interests in my home where I live. You know, I look out at the yard. I have a nice playground across the street. I want to see kids being happy. Yeah. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that be destroyed and ruined. I want I to see that. kids for years enjoying it, right? There and is so, nothing. I, I have a school right up the street and there is nothing like this, uh, an elementary school. There's nothing like the sound of screaming elementary kids at 2.30 coming out of school. It's yeah. just, it's delicious. It's like, like freedom every day. Oh, it's <laughs> it's like candy. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, it's all right. It's all right. Okay. And so, and so for me, I like I'm really tuning into you know AI as a as a topic because I feel education needs to instead of graduating people with certificates, they need to graduate them with competency. And I feel where a human can play into this role of competency with AI is. I look at AI kind of like the way you score a high diver from a diving board in the Olympics. Okay. You're going to throw out the high score. Those are the rules. You throw out the low score. You get, you get an aggregated score kind of right down the middle, the meat of the middle. And that's kind of what, that's what the AI result is to most any prompt you type in, mm -hmm. right? AI gives you the answer as opposed to Googling and getting 10 answers you need to pick. It gives you like an aggregated answer. But as a human, we have the ability to expand on that result. We have the ability to give it that high score, right? And so I take a little different view. I don't take a scared view or an afraid view. I think mm -hmm. as humans, we have the opportunity to use that as propellant, use AI as a tool to put forth our efforts and put forth our yes. successes. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the way an intellectual would look at it. I, I, I and I mean that in a uh, laudatory sense, because uh, it, it does make sense. But just like uh, social media, um, just like TikTok, just like, uh, uh, you know, anything new that's come out with technology, it's wonderful when you learn to use it like a tool, mm -hmm. but not uh, intentionally making that point to use it as a tool, it will wind up using you. I mean, how many, just think about this just in, in, in larger, higher level thoughts, our phone rings a bell and we 
we come running like right. Pavlov's dog. It literally, it, it is the embodiment of, you know, the Pavlov's dog, the little uh, statement there. And we've become that. So are we really the master of our phones or is the phone really the master of us? Right. The fear, I believe, comes with when a, a percentage of the population lazily just uh, lets it use them instead of you using it. And right. really, that's where school comes into play. Used to be when we were growing up, school would teach you critical thinking skills. Mm -hmm. It's the person who has those critical thinking skills that can judge, use this technology and, and yep. judge whether to use it wisely for good or for, or for bad. The greatest things we were, we were, we went to the moon, not because, uh, the technology was there. It wasn't. They used a slide rule. We, we went to the moon because at that time, moms and dads would let their kids go out with a cap gun and a roll of 30 little caps and take a hammer and bang it and blow the whole thing up. And the hooks almost hit you in the face or you throw it in a fire. I mean, we figured out what to How'd do. How'd you know my childhood? Yeah, I know. Well, because it was my childhood too. You put bricks and then you put a piece of wood on it and then you jumped over garbage cans with your bicycle. That's what we did without helmets. I'm not saying it's good, but you learn very quickly um, how to, as we said earlier, improvise, adapt, and overcome. Yeah. And those are the critical thinking skills that you get. I, I've often thought, I'm sorry to get into this, but I was thinking about it the other day. Um, you know, when did it change that, that it was, you know, that you had to be too safe, that you weren't, that failure, you know, mm. wasn't allowed anymore. And, and I remember in, in New York City, there was, for the first time, somebody was, a boy went to school and then he never came home and he was kidnapped and he went on a milk carton. Eton Pates was his name. I remember this mm. is, must have been in the early 80s. And all of a sudden, parents would start walking their kids to school like they were never alone anymore. And then there was no more pickup games. It was just everything got more organized. And there was always a, a parent there kind of, you know, being over people. And kids learned not to think, you know, not to fail, not to try. If, if there was something new, you say, hey, dad, what do we do now? Yeah. Uh, Yep. And I may yeah, be getting, I don't know. What no, no, listen, man, you're, you're, this is a lane I, I talk in and think about okay. often, you know, not to go, not to go super dark. I mean, unfortunately, um, that recent, uh, Louisville shooting, it yeah. would appear as though the individual was upset because he was going to be fired at 23, still living at home, as I understand it. And I could be wrong there. And listen, mental health is an I, issue. Our society has I, a lot. So here's, here's that question that nobody asks, and I probably shouldn't ask here, but what are the odds that that boy, was it, I, I don't know, was it a boy, a man? Yeah, young man, 23. Male, male people. Okay, so what are the odds that that man um, goes to church? You know, what are the odds that that yeah. person has, has some sort of faith other than the material stuff that's around it all the time. And, right. and I don't know if that's the case with salespeople. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah. Is it, do you think there's some sort of correlation with salespeople being able to improvise, adapt, and overcome and, and deal with disappointments 
sometimes very large disappointments yeah. better than those who don't have faith uh, in yep. something greater than themselves. I don't know yeah. the answer to that. I'm throwing out a question to cause trouble for you. Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. Okay. And just to kind of sum up my my thoughts on the the gentleman in Louisville, I mean, you know, to me, it's like, okay, if it was being fired at 23, here's here's exactly what you're talking about. We've stopped as a society challenging ourselves as a whole. It's not just young people. It's everybody. You know, yeah. okay, if you were fired at 57, two weeks before an IPO, you have a family, you've got a spouse with cancer, yeah. you know, everything up. Okay. That's not that it excuses what happened, but that's different. Here's a young person that, you know, you're going to rebound at that age. Unfortunately, they just w didn't have the tools to handle that struggle. That's exactly it. Yeah. Right? And I think have faith, the tools. Yeah. I think faith can be one of those tools. And Dan and I got talking about this in the pre show. Because I shared with him that my grandparents were were very they, they were devout Christians. I'm not. There's no reason to pull that punch. They were devout Christians, very active in their church, very active in their community. The pews were filled, the mezzanine filled for both of them, and uh, for people to come pay their respects. And you know, for them, death was part of the journey. It wasn't a struggle. It wasn't an obstacle. It's part of the journey for their soul. And they yeah. both believe that should one leave before the other, their souls will be reunited together in heaven. And our family believes that. We all believe that. We took immense comfort in that, that they're all back together. Their daughter, my aunt, passed at 17, 30-some years ago from cancer. And that's, everybody found grace in that moment this past week. Yeah. And so when it comes to struggle and faith, and, and, and again, this isn't a show to convert you. This is, this is we're just two guys talking that have some similar belief systems, but I think having faith that things happen for us and there's a reason that they're happening. There's a reason you didn't get that big contract in the moment. There's a reason, you know, it, it happened. Uh, the, some, my guest for this week's show, Dan had to cancel that cancellation sure. came in hours before I learned of my grandmother's passing and that I'd be away. I don't know. Is that connected? Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's just coincidental. But if you're always looking for these coincidental excuses, I, I, to me, I, I just think, I don't think that's a way to go about it. I think you're dismissing a learning opportunity from struggle. So I'll have yeah. you pick it up there about learning from struggle. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, I, the, it, it's all about outlook and, and, you know, everything starts from your attitude. But when you do have that attitude that everything happens for a reason, it, it forces you to look for a reason. And then once you start looking for it, you know, why, what's my new opportunity? Which door is opening right now? All of a sudden yeah. your eyes are open and then you'll find something. Yeah. You know, I, I wake up in the morning. I have this little uh, routine. I just wake up and. I, I learned this actually from David Meltzer, but uh, for he said he challenged us for 30 days when you wake up and you go to bed, just say thank you. And so mm. the first thing I say is thank you. And when I go to bed at night, I say thank you. We try to do it for 30 days. Took me about a year and a half to get the full 30 days because I had to start, keep on starting over. And so when I wake up, I say thank you. And what it does is it, it triggers something in your mind that says, yep. well, what are you saying thank you for? 
And then you start looking for things to be thankful for and grateful for. And then you have this spirit of gratitude that envelops you, at least for the first part of the day. Uh, And then you have to intentionally try to keep it up. But with that attitude, you you have to keep on building up that force field around you. I'm not saying that uh, disappointments don't happen fairly regularly. I mean, things just happen all the time. The difference, I believe, with the successful salesperson and the unsuccessful salesperson is, is the speed with which they're able to recognize where they are and then uh, stop what they're doing and intentionally put on your oxygen uh, mask, uh, metaphorically, and get back into the the, the attitude of gratefulness. I, I, I have these five on that. It's gratefulness, forgiveness, accountability courage and kindness and you got to use them all throughout the day but uh if you can get back into that little i i try to picture myself as like a a diver like an old time diver in the ocean where they have those big the yeah, things the on big copper would, suit yeah the copper suit so get yep. into your copper suit get that oxygen flowing get some fresh air start all over again and then rock and roll yeah so, yeah yeah i mean you know the sales game it's um it's one of triumph. It's one of struggle. You know, you can feel like a failure one day and then you're a rock star the next because it just sometimes goes that way. But the spirit of gratitude we've been talking about, Patrick connects with that. You know, um, I, uh, I'm working on a, uh, a journal, a daily journal, taking my, what I use as my scripted day sheet. I'm finally formalizing it into a journal. It's going to work through the coaching program and battlefield mm. and, and one of the things in there is, is, is writing down, writing down, not yeah. going to be a download. It's not going to be an app. It's going to be a journal. You fit it in your back pocket type of thing, right? Carry it with you because it's scripture day. You run your day off of this. I've been doing this for a number of years, mm-hmm. but one of the, one of the aspects of that is writing down what you're grateful for. And that practice changes a lot of things. And oh. it could just simply be as simple as what you said. In the morning, thank you, and in the evening, thank you. Um, and you go. It, and it's, it's we had powerful. a we had a guest on my uh, show uh, a couple of shows back, uh, Jennifer Gittimer, who said something. She was big into words, and like she doesn't have to walk the dog; she gets to walk the dog. And just that little yes. phraseology change is, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you can almost you can almost feel it. Yep. And yeah, so that's very smooth. Uh, Gittimer, any relation to Jeffrey Gittimer? Yeah, he he's my guy. That's how I got started. My first guy that I went speaking with was yep. Jeffrey Gittimer. He's oh wow, he, and so I, uh, he's just my guy. And so we, uh, and so I, I met Jennifer. I've been to the house and stuff. He's they're they're good people, and uh, so that's Jeffrey's wife. Yes, his new wife. Okay, and uh, she's a bit younger, but she's. I mean, she has wisdom beyond her years. I'm a big fan of Jen. And uh, I'm a uh, a mentee. There we go. Of of Jeffrey. Yeah, he's done some wonderful things. But you know, this uh, in big ticket sales and in small ticket sales, what I'm what I'm finding right now is this kind of connection that we're having right now. Mm-hmm. This kind of you know personal thing. This is, in in my opinion, this is the future. With as technical as, as we become. Yep. Uh, uh, and as uh, as as targeted as we can be now with our 
well, our marketplace and as as you know direct we can get to people. I think figuring out a way to get this kind of personal touch with prospects and with customers is yep. paramount to the future because with all the artificial intelligence, people consciously or subconsciously are craving realism. They're craving yeah. the truth. Yeah. And, and how you, I'm you, doing that right now is as much bloody video as humanly possible. I'm doing video prospecting, doing video selling, video nurturing, video thank yous, video everything. Yeah. And uh, tremendously uh, effective because you can't yep. fake, you can't fake this. Yeah, no, you can't. And there's, you know, there's a, there's an immense connection that gets created. You know, I've had throughout my career, I've had times where I've done video blogs, weekly video sessions, and then I get to a trade show. I'm walking down the hall and it's like, Jeff, yeah, and you've experienced Deej. Yeah. Right. And you're, and you're like thinking, you know, at, at first you're like, who is this person? Yeah. But then That's you realize right. they, 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 maybe they don't comment. And this is the other thing that, you know, yeah. You know, so we'll, we'll, we'll touch on this for a second. So what Dan just shared about all the ways he's connecting. And, and you're so right. Like, you know, Dan talking about connecting. Well, that was, that was this morning. Love it. You know, there's, you know, there's uh, the exact point I was making about how we can work with AI, that throwing out that top score that AI does, like they do the bottom score. You could be that top score human and be that connection. Yeah. And if you doubt connection, just go back three years. Go back three years this month. Three years ago, April, what's today? 14th? I for, always forget what day it is. April 14th, 2020. And you tell me you weren't missing human connection mm -hmm. one month into the pandemic. Tell me, tell me you weren't missing it. What is it? Chris man. is like, Chris wants a double dose of Dan right now. Yeah, that's it. Double dose of Dan. Yeah, that's Dave right. Squared. They're, they're craving the connections. And, you know, and that was a big kind of shift for me, too, because I realized we couldn't get out and see people, yep. which I need just on a, on a personal note. Yep. I, you know, I, I have a, you know, a character flaw and that is in what, and I think I really, and I, I think it's restlessness. I gotta, I gotta see people. I need that. Uh, and so it was troubling for me. So I started building up my LinkedIn, you know, profile. I started doing videos every day and all that. But now I've discovered with all those connections, uh, if you reach out to them, uh, either by phone or, and, and again, I do a lot of videos right through the LinkedIn thing and uh, works great. Um, ask me how we'll hook up, we'll hook you up with this. Um, but sometimes if you call somebody uh, and they see you a lot on these things, they are, they're almost starstruck. I mean, mm. I've had people say that, oh my gosh, you're calling me? Or, I, or they would, you know, squeamishly get the courage to call me and like, you know, I didn't think you would answer, like I'm Elvis or something. Um, but well, we, because it everybody kind has of a big deal. Well, I'm <laughs> um, I'm a, a, a piss ant, and you know it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's it's um, 
the connection, the connection aspect of things yeah. cannot be overlooked. Um, and, and, and sometimes like I've found, I don't, I don't work the retail store sales floor anymore, but I know from years past and I know from talking to my crew that sometimes, uh, with all the information that's out there, all the opportunity to search, all the books that you got on your back, over your back, all the books that are on the, the shelf behind me there. Um, you know, sometimes people just want to reach out and touch somebody. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that my dog is, uh, he's okay. not being a good podcast participant at the moment. Bring but, him on. Um, he's, uh, yeah, he's going to need attention. But uh, sometimes that connection is important yeah. to, to just give the, that, that fast lane, that fast pass to connection instead of hiding behind a funnel, hiding behind a sequence of, of hurdles, just given the exit ramp to say, okay, wh- what question can I answer for you? Yeah. And, 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 I've, and I don't know if you've done this, but I've done this. Sometimes I'll get a response back and, and I'll actually say, are you a real human? You ever done that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, are you, and I, it's like, I, I'm hoping you are. Yep. Sometimes you get yeah. these calls though, and, and you don't know if they're, it's a real person or not. And so I'll say, are you a real human? And they'll laugh. Oh, of course I did. So then I ask him this question. What did you have for dinner last night? Mm. <laughs> and then they, and then they hang up. They haven't been able to figure that one out yet. Yeah. I'm sure chap GPT 4.75 will yeah. figure that one out. They'll figure that one out. That's um, right. So a couple of questions that I thought of asking you yeah. uh, before we got on and um, this might take us back to a different path of discussion, but in your view, why, why do salespeople get a bad rap? Oh, what? yeah. Um, from salespeople or from regular people? From regular people. Okay. I mean, good salespeople look at good salespeople like yeah. the gods we are, right? Yes, exactly. Um, I, you know, everything is about uh, insecurity. And uh, people don't want to feel like a fool. And people don't want to be taken advantage of. And people don't want their friends to say, oh my gosh, why'd you do that? And Social proof is very important to people. It's like, it, it's, it's a major thing always to look out for. Uh, it, it's not your product or service or the, the way that you're conveying it to somebody. They're thinking to themselves, if I own this and if I buy this, what is my mother or father or, or wife or husband going to say or my children or something on that? And they're just afraid of making a mistake and looking foolish. Um, and and it happens sometimes. And it only needs to happen once in somebody's life to do it. But for the good salesperson, I love this. I, I mean, this is this is fine if it's a bad reputation. I tell people all the time, you know, if you're in a the the way to sell, you know, roofing or uh something, something grimy or window sales or whatever it is, or, or whatever that you would expect the person, the salesperson to come to your house and you know be dirty and and have a sweaty shirt and all that stuff. Uh, all you have to do as a salesperson is just be the total opposite of that. You know, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Let me put yep. these little things on my feet before I come into your house. Have an extra shirt in the car and look at you square in the eye and treat you like a human. Once you do that, 
you don't have to worry about selling because they're too busy buying. Um, right. it, it, for those salespeople who live up to the stereotype that you think of as a, as a uh, sleazy salesperson, you get what you're, you, you get what you're doing. Act right. like the person you'd like to become. Act yep. like the person you would like to buy from. Well, to circle it back, act like the person I would hope my grandmother would buy yes. her next car from, her next heater from, her next roof from. You know? That's, that's um, exactly right. I, I had a, uh, I was coaching this financial, uh, uh, I guess, uh, what are they, financial advisor. And uh, towards the end, she was coaching me because she was so good. But we were talking about elevator pitches and stuff. She had the world's best elevator pitch. Check this out. I'm a financial planner. And she would do it like this. She'd put her head down. I'm a financial planner. My clients call me mom. Done. Yep. You know, that's all. Because when you're dealing with somebody's money, you know, people are concerned with three things, you know, and, and, uh, their, their, their family, their money, and maybe something else. I can't even think about what is something else. Well, whatever, but not necessarily in that order. And so if you can be, if you can create that feeling, grandma, that grandma yeah. feeling, I'm safe. Gosh, all I want is a, 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 you know, an auto repair guy that I can trust. You know, that's all I want. I don't care. I'll pay more. I just, uh, I'll trust them. You know, that I know my wife goes there and everything will be good. Yeah. We got a question coming in on this topic. And I, I love that financial planner one. The <laughs> financial planner, my clients call me mom. <laughs> love that. I love that. You know, in, in our store, when I'm at networking events and I'm, I'm, I'm there for the, the retail store um, or, you know, in some other situations, I often start out with, my name's Jeff. I do business in your bedroom. That's, I mean, that's great. Because you get a smile. And once you yeah. get the smile, you're halfway there. And I said, and then I followed up. Now let me explain why I said that to you. Um, because I do. My my I have a retail mattress store. We do business in your bedroom. And your bedroom's a private personal space. We're gonna respect your time, we're gonna respect your money. Because you don't even let your own parents into your bedroom, but you're gonna let me in. And so this is an important purchase, and we and we respect the fact that you're here and we're honored to have you here. So let's begin, right? That kind of, a, that kind yeah, of, yeah, I'll never go route, to another right? store. Yeah. I'll never yep. go to another store. So I Steve, Steve's, yeah. yeah, Steve's a fellow mattress retailer, got his hands in a few different things. His question, can you explain why sleazy salespeople seem to have pretty successful careers? Yeah. Okay. Well, let me tell you about a sleazy salesperson. So when I got started in the stock brokerage business, I, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a fairly good talker and I have a good, I'm very dyslexic. So I'll, I, I have, I forced myself to have a good memory. So I would remember all the lines. So here's the thing. So let's say Steve says to me, uh, uh, you know, thanks for this stock, uh, this idea, whatever, but I think I'm going to pass. This is what I would say. I'd say, Steve, let me tell you something. The only people that earn money by passing are NFL quarterbacks. And I don't see a number on your jersey. So let's go ahead and pick up a couple thousand shares today and we'll run across the end zone together. Okay? Like that is what we said. And it worked. And we get sales. But we never got customers. Never got the second sale. Another, another bedroom analogy. Your one night standard. Yeah, your customers. That's it. I had the one night stand. Yes, 
Steve, people who are that way make a, earn a lot of money and they make a lot of sales. They have terrible lives. I wrote a book. Here's my book. Sales Proverbs, Wisdom of the Ages. How to Leave a Profitable Life as a Salesperson. You don't want to just make a sale. You want to have a, you, it's a very stressful life always to be screwing people over, always yep. to be, you know, finding an angle. And because what happens is, is the more you do that, the more you attract that in your own life. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I tell you what, I, when I was a stockbroker, I had a, a seminal experience. I had a guy who came into my office and he told me that he was getting divorced. And then I looked around the office and this was 1994 or five or something like that. And I looked around the office and the four offices all around, I was like in the bullpen. So everybody around and then they were all divorced. Everybody was divorced. Now I had kind of just gotten married. I guess it must've been 96. I just got married and all that stuff. I stood up, I went into my manager's office and I said, today's my last day. And he said, what's going on? And I said, I don't want to get divorced. It's yeah. a rotten life. It's yeah. a great life as a salesperson uh, when you do it right and you create real customers and relationships and, and feel like, like uh, uh, Jeff, we're going to, I mean, we're friends forever now. It's just, it's right. done. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's all there. And so I can call, I, I know you can call me for anything. I can call you for anything. I mean, that's a life, man. Uh, if you're just trying to sell, you know, window treatments, uh, and then you know, see you, see you the next day, uh, it's it's much more stressful on everybody. And yeah. you got to show your children the whole thing. You know, people think America is here. I go, okay, just give me five seconds. People think America is built on you know the independent pull your the man in his bootstraps and all that stuff and and go and and there's something to that. But we're not a nation of individuals. We're a nation of families and families that congregate with other families and create little communities. And then those little communities create cities and states in a country. But it doesn't start with the person. It starts with the family. Salespeople that are being sleazy and just going out there to sell their window treatments are not creating a stable family that's going to create a stable country. And now I'm off my high horse. I'm sorry, Steve, that you had to put up with that. No, I love that because it actually dovetails to what I was going to add to what you shared earlier. You know, those salespeople that do look to one night stand, look, we are a connected world of families anymore, right? And when you come in saying, yes, I'm family now, but really you're just one night standing people. You're just looking for transactions. Yeah. You know, you might think in a world of 8 billion people, uh, your, your opportunity to make money is, is infinite. And, and, it might be. It is It is if you treat it the way we're talking about. But if you're going to one night stand everybody, eventually you're going to run out of those opportunities. And I'm going through this now. I have a, I have a group uh, that I'm a part of, like a peer-to-peer group. Yeah. Somebody came in to that group, ran through the group, sold some, sold some investments. And uh, uh, thankfully, I don't have as much money involved as some others. But you know, here, here's what's interesting about that. When that came to a head and that person was asked to leave or told to leave, there wasn't any pushback. There wasn't any explanation. It was just, I'm moving on to the next herd. I'm moving on to the next fishing hole. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, that's very odd to me because and how it was sold and presented, you would think, well, well wait a minute, you're going to fight. Aren't you going to fight for this opportunity to stay here? Cause these are some really good people. Yeah. But no, they just moved on. And that told me a lot, you know, about them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's told right. me a lot about them. Told me yeah. a lot yeah. about them for sure. You know, along, I love, we, I we love forgot about- to mention Joe Polish with all that whole thing. Joe Polish. Oh, must be, yeah. yeah. We got to bring him in the. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's big. He's big on yeah. creating family, creating connection. Yeah. Uh, have you been following him lately? I know he was on sabbatical for like a year. Is he, yeah, has he been back? He and, what's that guy's name? Dean Jackson. Yes. Yeah, the I love marketing. Yeah, that I think he's back. Um, but you know, very strong. I. It's funny. Every he was a carpet cleaner. Started out yeah. with the carpet cleaning, but you know, yep. did it the right way and has a community now. Uh, you know, that, that, uh, people would dream about him. That's right. Yeah. Yep. He's got his, uh, 25K mastermind, I think. Yes. Something like that. Yep. And he's a Dan, he's a Kennedy student as well in success story. Yeah. So there's that family connection again, right? Right. So this is the sales family. Notice how it comes out. The sales family is, it's a, it's a tight knit group. Uh, and it's, you know, what? There's a certain connection. And, and, and the thing is, I've always felt more comfortable because, you know, what happens is you you start selling different items and you start selling software things and you start going into offices instead of, you know, yards and things like that. And so it, you, you know, it's a different type of person with a different experience. But I've always felt more comfortable with the guy maintaining the grounds around the big office building than the people in the office building. Hmm. Uh, you know, and I, and I, I, that kind of blue collar mentality in a white collar world is very attractive to me. I, I just, I love that. I love being able to, yep. to, you know, grab somebody on the show and say, you know, so when someone comes in, a salesperson comes into your place, come on in, let me hear your pitch. Let's see what yep. you got. Yeah. You know, and it's, you have that, that kinship. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked sure. about your bedrocks earlier. So you're a big uh, Flintstones guy? <laughs> no. So getting, so, you know, this is where, you know, one of those other things, and, and this will be good. We can maybe wrap on this for a little yeah. bit as we, as we are at the top of the hour. But, um, you know, uh, the, the bedrock of a problem, the bedrock of an opportunity. So uh, the, the Bible is great to get some parables, some, mm-hmm. some bedrock information from things that are pre-printing press, right? So if you think about this, through this, I shared this uh, on my trip up. Somebody called me and somebody new, younger, they're starting out on their entrepreneurial journey. I said, you need to be reading things pre-printing press mm. because anything that survived all those years and is still in print today must have been worth some, i.e. the Bible, the art of war, Beowulf, is yeah. is the bedrock story. The story of Beowulf is so appropriate to being a salesperson and getting to the root of the problem. If you're a salesperson, if you've not read that story, you need to, because it will kind of reframe your mind about okay, is this you know what what's the real objection? What's the real opportunity? What's the real pitfall if this deal happens? 
you can look at it through all those different lenses, but you got to get to the bedrock root of the problem. In the story of Beowulf, it was that um, the the hero, Beowulf, uh, didn't at first get down to the bottom of the swamp to kill Grendel's mother. And you have to read the story to understand mm-hmm. what I just said, but it's it's all in there. And it's not a long story at all, but yeah. that story is so important. And, it, and I really remind myself often, uh, am, I, am I putting this through the, my bedrock process of thinking? Yes. I love that. Yeah, it's very, well, you know, if you really want to get human nature and you have, you know, three months to read some books, the Dostoevsky will just, you know, the, the five books will just, you know, pick apart human nature all day long. I heard something the other day that really, that resonated with me. To, uh, well, did, did I say before, boys are confident? Yeah, no. boys are confident. Men are certain. And not mm. just, you know, you can be wrong, but, and, you know, and still be certain about, you know, but it's just a totally different feeling. Um, one who's certain has done their research. Has, one who's certain has done their preparation. And yep. uh, for, if there's one lasting thing I could leave with people when, because a lot of times with all these online stuff we're doing and, and pre, you know, presentations that we're given and just these little, uh, you know, like kind of Zoom calls that you're saying, this is it, this is it. Um, you're really not prepared. And you, to be, to make your, your prospect become your customer, they need to be certain, not only in the product, but in you. And so it's it's important for you to be your best when you're in front of of your prospect, and uh, it, you know, to be that certain, you want to be prepared beyond nervousness. So yeah. nothing, a fly could land on your nose, and you could wipe it off and go forward. Go forward, just I like love you it. are here, Jeff. Just knocking it out, even in your trying time. I appreciate yep. you. Yeah, no, I appreciate you, and that's a. I think that's a great way to end up that thought of confidence versus being confident, right? To me, when you said that, it's like, you know, the confident young man, I had, you know, one thing that our time together, uh, going up to Canada with my youngest son, cause he came with me is we had a lot of great conversations as father and son. Yeah. And, you know, I heard, I heard a little bit back about confidence speak, right? But then the, the father came out with the confident advice and feedback. And I think as, to translate that to that salesperson, like think about all those confident times you thought you had it and you got smacked right down. Look at those scars. Those scars bring out your confident nature and yeah. abilities, right? Love it. Love that. Jeff, thanks for coming in there at the end. Um, appreciate you uh, tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed our time. Dan, I've truly enjoyed this, or Deej, I should say. I'm sorry. Well, the truly Deej. Tor- the yeah, Deej. The, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, anybody could be Deej. Right. But you're yeah. the Deej. Right. Right. Well, man, I've appreciated our time together for sure. It's been a lot of fun. I enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for uh, joining me today and, uh, and, and pouring in and, and giving a lot of great input to my listeners and watchers. Um, DanJordan.com in the show notes. Um, any place you want to send people as we wrap up? Yeah, you you know, just there's this new website. It's called Google. Just uh, put my name in there and reach out to me and talk to me. I am the same person 
in person as you're seeing me right now. And I am very receptive to anybody calling. I, I appreciate it. So just All right. contact. There you go. There you go. Well, appreciate you. Uh, appreciate your time and insights today. It's been a lot. This was a great episode. A lot of fun. Got a lot of lot of lot of moments to point out. So you're going to get double, triple, quadruple doses of the Deej as this hey. show lives on and comes out to you in different places and different spaces. So um, thank you again for being on the show. Really appreciate your time. We'll see everybody else uh, next week on the Big Ticket Life. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own big ticket life, and now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat, in your business, away from commodity and away from competition, into a market of one, so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today, where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now, accept this gift, book your call, go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.